Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of Friday with Mooney Lions. This is Jeff Scheider, investment strategist with Mooney Lions. I want to thank you all for joining us. Hope everyone is uh, safe and healthy and has been enjoying their summer. Um, just a couple of uh, housekeeping items here, and then we'll, uh, we'll get rolling with our guest. Securities offered through Triad Advisors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services, services offered through Triad Hybrid Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Mooney Lions Financial Advisors and Triad Advisors, LLC are not affiliated. Um, just a heads up, this call is being recorded. Um, everyone is on mute um, and you will not need your cameras. This is an audio only event. Um, just as a uh, heads up, um, we will be doing these, these calls monthly going forward. Um, mark on your schedules for August 21st and September 18th. Um, some Friday mornings coming up where we'll have some guests and we'll have some, uh, some of the advisors on the call uh, to have a chat. But you'll get reminders from us uh, of that going forward as well. Um, without wa wasting anybody, uh, too much of anybody's time, I wanted to uh, go ahead and introduce our guest and get started. Uh, we are joined again um, by Walt Zeiske, who's the uh, Senior Vice President of AB Global. Walt, are you there? I'm here, Jeff. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Uh, thank you for joining us again. Uh, it was back about uh, April 13th, I looked, was when we uh, had you on last. So it's been about a quarter, and we have uh, gone from the roller coaster of the market to what has been more roller coaster of the market. Um, but looking now at the S&P, basically flat on the year. We've had states open, we've had borders open, we've had borders closed, and we've had states seem to go backwards. So um, with all that in mind, can you kind of kind of give us an update of, uh, of where we stand and kind of what's happening? Uh, yeah, so certainly, uh, for, for, first of all, Jeff, uh, thank you for having us and appreciate everybody's time today. Um, I always appreciate people's time, but especially as you noted, Jeff, during these volatile times, uh, but I will say, um, the market has a better tone to it than when we were last spoke. Uh, <clears throat> so that's been good to see. But as we as we look ahead, um, yes, as you noted, we've we've had a nice recovery. Uh, we've been on this roller coaster, but we've been on a nice, uh, for the most part, a pretty nice ascent, with the exception of a day or two. But the reality is, we have snapped back very, very nicely. And a lot of that is, I would say, due to uh, some of the things that you mentioned. Um, we've had some degree of reopenings. And as you noted, um, I live in Texas now, so we've actually tapped the brakes a bit uh, in terms of reopening and kind of scaling that back. You, the mark, so the markets were driven up by hope and expectation. We'd see continuing uh, continued trend there. We were for a while getting better news on, on COVID cases in terms of those case counts going down. And we were, were seeing some better economic data, which really didn't surprise us because we went in such a, such a downturn when this hit us when you have to effectively shut everything down. And I remind people that in 2008, even if we wanted to go to a movie or go out to dinner, we had the ability to do that or see a sporting event. Uh, watching baseball last night, seeing cardboard cutouts, it was a little, little eerie. But uh, so it's this one's a different, different situation, and the amount of demand destruction that happened as a result of that when you can't do things, it's it's significant. But we were seeing better economic news is our expectation. But as you noted, we we started to see some states reverse. Uh, we think that we we are looking for a recovery um, when we look into next year. 
So we expect the U.S. economy to grow by some 4%. So we are expecting a recovery. And a lot of that is just being driven by the amount of stimulus that we see in the system. Um, what the Federal Reserve Bank learned in 2008 is you can't wait around. You, if you have such an impact like this, you have to keep the financial plumbing working. And that's if that's loans to individuals or businesses rolling over their short-term IOUs so they could keep operating. Uh, in 2008, they kind of they didn't jump on it right away, but this time they did. Um, <clears throat> we know that the uh, government officials are talking about yet another stimulus package um, just to kind of get people uh, across to the other side. Even the European Union agreed to one that was just massive, um, roughly two trillion euro. So we've seen globally um, the fire hoses have been brought out. Uh, the stimulus has happened, and that's that's kept the, the financial markets functioning. Uh, which is favorable and has still instilled a fairly high degree of confidence on the part of investors that that we'll get through this. Um, and we've actually even seen some real-time data. Um, we track beyond just what people would say the boring statistics that are out there. Um, we have the ability to, to track things like hotel occupancy rates, uh, things such as um, you know foot traffic in retail stores, as well as uh, restaurants and open you know from open table reservations. So there's been a lot of that data. We've seen a, a nice climb. Now, granted, it's, it's, it's checked up a bit, but it's not plummeting. So I think what, we're, what we'll have is just a recovery that's kind of maybe goes in waves, uh, and it's going to take some time to kind of bring us back to full strength. But our expectation is that's going to happen. And what we really focus on, the question we always ask is, if you, you know, do you believe that all the stimulus that we see, the bridge that is being built, if it's going to be on the part of things like paycheck, paycheck protection program to small businesses, if it's the Federal Reserve's actions that I've spoke about earlier, if you think that's going to be long and strong enough to get us to the other side of the virus, then you want to be committed into um, some degree of, of stocks and bonds in the portfolio. You don't want to just run for the hills and go for cash. We are of that belief that we get to the other side, not saying the road is going to be smooth. We're going to have some bumps along the way. Um, encouragingly, we're seeing to be getting better news on the vaccine front in terms of development. That's not to say that someone just turns on the light switch, one waves a magic wand, and everybody's going to be fine and just line up for the, for the vaccine. We know that there's some, there may be some hesitancy there. Um, but there is a lot of money being committed to this, and we have a lot of very well-intended, smart people working on it. So that's encouraging. But I think the coronavirus is something we're just going to have to manage through. But the markets, for the most part, are acknowledging that. Uh, but we, we have to be just aware of some of the risks that are out there, uh, because right now, if we look at the stock market, um, it's, it certainly has had a big advance. And we're seeing in some cases where the valuation in certain stocks um, are a little a little expensive, uh, so we we need to be very very selective here. And uh, there's one of the things that's an offset to some of that valuation being expensive in the equity markets is is that our highest conviction uh, call is that the Fed is going to stay lower for longer. And we know with Treasury ten-year Treasury notes giving us a, a yield of about six tenths of one percent. If you take inflation and you knock inflation out of that, your, your real yield, as we call it, after inflation is like negative 0.9. So there's not many, you know, in terms of just running for cash, you're, you're effectively paying rent 
and we're, we don't advise that in terms of one's portfolio in entirety. So you want to have some commitment to um, investments, but you know the, the key word that we're talking about is quality. You want to stay in the quality lane, and we're finding opportunities uh, that way. And the three things that we talk about is make sure that the company has a very strong financial position, that their profit, their profits that they generate are going to be longer and stronger than people expect, and lastly. We want companies that, are, that have a lot of cash on hand, that generate a lot of cash, versus having to go out and borrow to, to fund their business or fund their growth. And, and we're, finding those, um, we're finding those opportunities, but we're being very selective. But quality is definitely the watchword here. Great, so uh, given that outlook and, and kind of those uh, stipulations, if you will, um, I, I know AB Global is, uh, one, of, one of the portfolios is very geared around thematic investing. Um, and I'm sure you've maybe run across a few surprises here or noticed a few things that surprised you. Anything uh, stand out in particular uh, from any of the teams or maybe even any of the companies that you were surprised by or encouraged by over the last quarter or so? Yeah, I would say a couple things. Um, you know, I, if I could go back a little bit, we were, we were a bit surprised. I don't want to go too far back in time, but we were expecting volatility in, uh, to pick up in the back half of 2019, um, and it didn't, but valuations were extended. Uh, we, we managed to get through that last year. We, 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 we posted uh, some very nice returns. Um, that was one surprise, but then as we came into this year, um, it, you know, some of it was vindicated, uh, and by no means, Jeff, is this a victory lap? It's not, but we came into the year a little more defensive because, and I think we talked about this last quarter, because the valuations from our perspective were a bit extended. They were, they were high. So we were roughly 10% in cash, and then March came along. Um, we took advantage of that big sell-off, and we took our cash below about 3%. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in more recently, we've, we've taken steps to become a little more defensive, which we could talk about later. But on the surprise front, that's one going back a ways. I'd say the other, just maybe in terms of the, and it's been a positive surprise, has been just the adoption rate in, in things such as electronic vehicles. Um, one of the names that we added to, well, there's a couple names that um, we talked about this last quarter, but one being Tesla. Um, and, um, you know, they fortified their financial position. This was before the coronavirus uh, really came on strong. And that to us gave us that added confidence beyond just our expectation rate that we would think that their, the sales of their vehicles would start to take off. Uh, and they have and beyond our expectations. So in terms of surprise, that was a very, very positive surprise. So, you know, a company like that or even Cree, um, which really made their, their initial foray into light emitting diode, uh, think in terms of light bulbs and lighting. But um, I think we talked about this before, they sell a substance called silicon carbide, which they have a 60% market share. And you know, a few years ago, there were only two auto companies that were developing electronic vehicle platforms. Now 95% of the auto manufacturers are doing that. So we've seen some nice tailwinds in particular for Tesla. So that to us, uh, the adoption rate has been, I would say, you know, stronger and, and better, better than we thought. The other has been, um, and this is to some degree, um, the, with the coronavirus um, coming, coming on board, but even before that, this move to a cashless society, um, as people are, you know, there's more digital payments, there's more Venmoing, so that impacts people like a PayPal, um, Square, which is another you know, way in terms of just getting digital payments. 
um, that the elevation of that has really taken off and we think it's going to continue, um, especially with this focus on health and wellness and people not wanting to deal with change at, at a counter. Uh, they will, I even find myself using the debit card more these days. Jeff, uh, are you there? Oh, yep. Sorry. Uh, yeah, oh. I just I just wanted to uh, to pivot here uh, and, and start chatting a little bit about uh, ESG. I know thematic investing is is important to AB Global, but so is ESG investing. Um, just a little background: ESG stands for Environmental and Social Governance. Um, a, a little bit of the the green factor, if you will. Um, and some some investors that are on the call think back twenty years or so, and they think going green was a, a consequence of giving up return. So if you could just spend a few minutes talking kind of about what ESG investing is and, and kind of what it means to your portfolio, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, the, the environmental social governance, that, that, that is always been a component of our process in terms of we go about selecting stocks. It's one of the elements. It's not the, the only one, but, it's, but, it is a, but it's a significant one. Um, and that could even actually influence, you know, how much of a position size or, you know, the weight in the portfolio in a particular stock. Um, and, but what we found is, uh, and, you, and, you, and you mentioned it, but uh, we're hitting around this. What we find is it's not just that it's a way of mitigating risk, but you could also identify high quality businesses and, um, and find good return opportunities when you look through that lens. Because what we found is, you know, it, one of the elements when we talk in terms of quality of management, by definition, a lot of the managers that are um, practicing good environmental, social, and governance issues, that, that, by definition, it's a higher quality of management. And what that typically leads to, you know, in terms of them really keeping a keen eye and making sure that they're, um, that they're following uh, government regulations, legal, compliance, environmental, that often leads to, and this is more, this is more kind of the, the quantitative or hard component of what we really typically traditionally focused on, is a higher degree of earnings quality and stability. So if you're forecasting earnings, especially in an environment like this, where the uncertainty is high, um, you, you consider that, that we, we looked at this, the number of company managements that have just said, uh, we're gonna withdraw our guidance for 2020 because we're just not sure, it's over 250 companies in the United States have done that. All the more reason to take one, a longer term perspective as we do in our uh, uh, thematic, from our thematic approach and strategic research. And then two, um, looking for those companies that have enduring business models that are, are gonna to lead to a more predictable earning stream. And that's where ESG, we, we, we found that that's, that's important. And what we see is managements that have that, uh, that focus not only leads to better earnings predictability, but it also mitigates the, this is the risk component uh, of maybe future drawdowns uh, from a financial standpoint or worse yet bankruptcies. And these typically are companies that are in a lot more control of their own destiny. And we've talked about a couple of these, if it's digital health and digital payments, um, where we're seeing a lot of those from, from a thematic perspective. If we look at something like digital payments, that's growing annualized at 17%. Uh, we look at digital health data in terms of, and we talked about this, I think, last quarter, as opposed to going in the doctor's office and you see all those steel case file cabinets with vanilla folders in them. 
And I go to my doctor and I'm sure many of you, they're walking in with like an iPad or some sort of a tablet device, right? That's growing at 36% uh, per year. And I, as I mentioned, if we're right, if we see the economy growing 4% uh, per year, some of these other areas that we're investing in are growing much faster. And we think that they're sustainable. We don't think that these go away. That's really the, the power of being uh, thematic. Um, and uh, and that's, that's why we're so excited about it. Okay, and uh, let's jump into everybody's favorite topic to talk about right now, uh, politics and the government. Um, everyone uh, is uh, a little bit on edge, I think, about what's going to happen in November and kind of what it means for the economy, what it means for the markets, what it means for just about everything. Uh, can you shed a little light on, on your thoughts there? Sure. So... In terms of, I'll just say from uh, from the organization, you know, from a firm level, Alliance Bernstein, and then as it relates to this portfolio specifically, if that's okay, Jeff. Um, so the we look at from the standpoint of we we have no edge in in knowing who's going to win. Uh, we we know even the pollsters out there, uh, especially with the last presidential election, they were way off. So this, it's a very tricky game and it's one we just don't play because we just don't, we don't have an edge there. It's not something that um, where we view ourselves as prognosticators, but we do evaluate uh, the, what the potential outcomes might look like. And it, it, so we, if we look at this in terms of, even if there were a regime change at the White House, um, the expectation is short term that maybe that could be disruptive. Um, to you know some of the risk assets in the in the stock and bond market um, that might be the initial perception maybe maybe not a lot of people thought that about the lax election outcome and it didn't happen as you as we know but over the longer term um, even if that were to happen we think that the Fed is going to remain accommodative and that is keeping interest rates low which is supportive for for stock prices longer term that that's something that that is helpful. But it, it, is a, it is one of the things that we factor in in the, in the portfolio. Um, we're not making radical changes as a result of it, because as I said, trying to do that, uh, the price of being wrong there is very expensive. But it's one of the risks that we look at, besides the fact that stock prices have really jumped, that they're not as cheap as certainly what they were in March. Um, you know, we have U.S.-China relations that are a bit, you know, let's just say, you know, shall we say rocky. Um, yeah, so we've got, and then we've got this reverberation effect of, okay, what does demand and what does the economy look like? I mean, we're going to have some ripple effects with the coronavirus that we talked about earlier. So that's one of the factors that I would say, and we've become a little more defensive. Uh, as I said, we've been doing some selective selling here, and it's actually gone down to, if we go back to the themes for just a second, um, if we look at some of the themes in terms of where we're invested, we've talked about a couple of these, but a couple we haven't. So if we look at things like wind capacity, think the, the wind generators, if you're driving on, you know, I'm thinking Highway 70, I'm going back to my Midwest roots here, Jeff, or Highway 65 from Chicago to say Indianapolis, you, you see a lot of those wind towers that are out there. So just a couple of statistics. Um, again, um, it, you know, we saw coal consumption last year go down by 15%. That's the lowest it's been since 1964. And what's interesting is, is we're seeing um, more and more the adoption rate has gone to, um, you know, is we're seeing the commercial delivery go up. We've seen industrial co companies, transportation companies, using more renewable sources of energy. 
And another statistic, you know, given the fact that the economy has gone through uh, a tough time, it's kind of interesting is, is that the second fastest growing occupation that's out there are these uh, wind turbine service techs, you know, the, the people who climb up the poles and actually work on those wind turbines. That's projected to grow like about 57% um, over, over the next eight years. So what we're seeing is that there's a high demand for that and wind capacity is growing 9%. The stocks like Vestas uh, that makes the wind turbines that you know crank the props, that's a name that we've owned in the portfolio. And it's been working under the present regime, but even if the regime changes, they're embracing more renewable sources of energy. Um, we feel good about that. Um, so we think it could work in both. The same goes for some of these things uh, on, we talked about digital health and data. United Health is, is a big player in that. West Pharmaceuticals, uh, a company that makes the vials um, before, if it's vaccines, uh, this is a name we've owned well before COVID, but they also make them for allergy medicines, et cetera. And this is a company that goes back to 1923, um, which was about five years before Alexander um, Fleming discovered penicillin. So they've been around for a while. It's not a new company, uh, but you know those vials and the rubber stoppers to make sure that uh, those vaccines are, are in, in good integrity. We think that's going to be important going forward. And we've also done some things in the healthcare area where we've added a couple names that have been a little more defensive. So <clears throat> I think we talked about LabCorp last quarter, but we we added a name, um, Steris, which it, some people would say, well, that's kind of a boring company. But effectively, what Steris Corporation does is they make let's just call them souped up dishwashers for medical equipment and hospitals. So think in terms of scalpels, um, you know, surgical tools, uh, even someone like an intuitive surgical that we don't own in the portfolio now, but they make these robotic surgical um, machines and some of their machines have eight different arms. Those all have to be cleaned to make sure that they're sterilized. And where they make their money is just, you know, the people coming in and servicing those machines. It's kind of like going to an auto dealer the profit center there is parts and service. It's not the number of new cars sold. So granted, these machines are in a hospital. Their, their life is about 10 to 12 years. They last that long. But you've got to make sure that they're operating and they're cleaned and up the, up the snuff. That's where this company makes money. It's a nice compounder. And um, with all this focus on health and wellness, a number of the names that we have there, uh, we think really service well. And we talked about digital payments earlier. If it's the PayPal's and Squares of this world, as people move to a cashless society, uh, we think that gets augmented in this in this current environment. And are really kind of agnostic to the you know who's going to be in office. And with digital payments growing 17% annualized, again, these we want to be in these durable business models, which are of a higher quality, that are on the right side of change and are going to have a nice growth profile. I'm not going to say they're bulletproof. You know, things get shaky. But um, if we're on the right side of change over time, we just don't know that that's the political risk long term is, is going to be that significant. All right. Um, last question here. And uh, we, we talked about it briefly, more of a, a little bit of a short term look. Uh, we've seen we saw a giant stimulus package uh, from our federal government earlier in the year. As you said, the EU just put out another massive one and uh, the U.S. is talking about another one. And the Fed has kind of said, we'll do anything it takes to, uh, like you said, keep the fire hose open. So any, uh, any two cents on what you think maybe the next stimulus package looks like or, or, or kind of what it, it helps with or hurts with? 
So, yeah, imagine that, Jeff. There's some haggling going on in Washington over this, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and um, as many of you may know, the, um, the, the current program is due to expire at the end of this month. And <clears throat> I put out a midweek update, and yeah, yeah I'm, sometimes I get tongue-in-cheek about it, but it's like, yeah, the, the folks in D.C. love their brinksmanship. They like to take, take it to the edge. Um, so we think that's going to happen. I think, you know, it just comes down to two things. I think, you know, how much money per week do we want to, you know, send out and what's the duration of it? And Republicans are <clears throat> wanting to say, let's knock it down to maybe $400 a week and let's extend it through the end of the year. Uh, the Democrat representatives want to see the continued $600 a week and let's extend that through January of next year. Uh, as with all things, I think they're going to land somewhere in between, Jeff. But, <clears throat> you know, the reality is that both sides are acknowledging that something has to be done. So there's no disagreement there. It all comes down to the devil in being in the details. Uh, but we, we, but I would just add, and we talked a little bit about this, this is an election year. <laughs> and, you know, I think that in this case, the Republican side is going to pull out all the stops that they can. They're going to do certain things. It may be for optics or principle, maybe a little bit of both. I think it lands somewhere in between those, those two things that I had to mention between both parties. I think it gets done probably not by July 31st, uh, but um, I think that, that something, will, uh, something will hit the print. Um, so stay tuned. All right, Walt. Well, thank you very much for your time again and your insight. We certainly appreciate it. Jeff, thank you very much. We appreciate the partnership, and um, um, please let us know if there's anything else uh, we could do for you or your clients. Will do. And just a reminder for everyone, these will be happening on a monthly basis on, on Friday mornings. Stay in touch with your email to, uh, to check those things out. But we are also still doing our podcasts every week. So head on over to moonylions.com, click on the podcast link. Uh, you'll see podcasts on there as well as uh, some of the uh, – interviews and guests we've shared over the uh, over the last quarter or so so thanks everyone for your time enjoy your friday enjoy your weekend and enjoy the rest of your summer